Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we're talking about this basketball game now. Um, so, a couple things first. So, the plan yesterday was to go through and do a second podcast with a bunch of the, the audio from uh, the, the introduction press conference meet and greet type thing, um, but... Things got really chaotic yesterday, and those take like four hours to put together with all those clips, and so I just didn't have time to get that done. So, that is going to be coming later today, which is Friday, because I should have the time to do all that. I just got to get this podcast done, and then get something written, finish off, honestly, the Mike Sanford thing, which I wanted to get done before, but again, things have been really chaotic, and all the quotes I need are pulled, just got to fill that out, then we've got the bets dnvr bets daily which tune into that if you haven't we've been losing some money over there at 3 30 every day um but this is my last day obviously this week before i don't have to deal with having that in the middle of my day anymore and then uh after that i'm gonna get to work on that other podcast and see if i can get that done um tonight potentially early tomorrow morning but we'll we'll see um also this podcast the plan when I decided I was going to do the other podcast today was to do this podcast last night after the game so I wouldn't have as much to do today. But then I finished writing about that game at 1 and was like, well, I'm not sure that this needs to happen right now. So instead, I just like dreaded having to talk about this game for 10 hours, um, which was really cool. Uh, but here we are now, and I drank my coffee, and we are going to... Uh, hopefully pretty briefly, get through what happened last night at the CU Events Center. Um, for those of you who didn't watch the game, first of all, congratulations. Except except for the fact that uh, Katie Wingy was on the call, which is always fun. She does a great job, and I need to... I'm hoping that at some point I can find a replay of that or something today. The thing is, I can't really watch it today because I... I bet on Jason Day to win the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and he is kind of right in it. Like, he's only four under, but he's missed, like, he's missed, like, five putts today already. He missed, like, four putts, and all these just, like, caught the edge of the cup and didn't fall. So he's, I'm kind of fired up about watching this golf, to be honest. So I'm just going to sit here, watch him golf, and do some work all day, is the point. But yeah, the the basketball game last night, just, like, in general, if if you want the brief summary, like it it was just not fun. 
Um, the Buffs got beat down bad in that second half. And I guess to be fair, they actually did play pretty good ball in the first half. Um, you know, in the first half, they wound up losing the first half by one before losing the game. What was that? Was that 55 to 41? 66 to 51. That's right. Uh, I was off by 10 points on each. Um, but yeah, a, a 14 point loss, 15 point loss after trailing by one at halftime. Obviously that second half didn't go well. And, you know, so Marissa Saez, our social media director, was up there with me, and she was doing, like, the DMVR spotlight on the game with the Instagram stories and all that kind of stuff. And she played college basketball. You guys know her. She's been on the podcast before. But uh, when we were leaving, I, w- I told her, like, we really should have seen this second half collapse coming. Like, when you look at what happened in that first half, Keyshawn got really, really, really hot. And the Buffs were still down. In order for them to actually win that game, either Keyshawn needed to continue to do what he was doing in the first half, which we'll get to in a second, or you needed somebody else on the team to to step up and give you that sort of production, which was only like maybe two guys, maybe two, probably just Jabari is capable of that other than Keyshawn, or you need like three or four guys to really turn around what's happening that night and and kind of turn it into a group effort. And based on what we'd seen in that first half, we probably should have realized that the one path was Keyshawn staying super hot, which, again, just just not realistic. Um, again, in terms of what Keyshawn did, he was he was 6 of 7 in the first half. He had 16 points. He didn't turn the ball over in the first half. He only turned the ball over once in the second half. It was a really great performance. It was the best half of basketball that he's played as a Buffalo, and... That was really, really exciting to see because he was basically single-handedly keeping the buffs in the game. He had, I think it was 35-34 at halftime. I should actually pull these stats up, I just realized. Use the real numbers. Uh, No, it's 36-35 at halftime, and Keyshawn had 16 of the 35 points. I mean, that just goes to show what he did. He, uh, let's see, can I find... Uh, this half, half percentage, no. Uh, It doesn't matter. The point is, nobody else is doing anything. Nobody else had more than five points. I think Evan had five. Jabari had four. Um, Nobody else had more than two. And, (laughs) again, it was was kind of the Keyshawn show, and then in the second half, that really dried up. First of all, he wasn't taking as many shots. Um, I was surprised to see that he actually played more minutes in the second half than he did in the first half. It was 16 to 15, so it was really close. Um, again, I think I'm 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 just barely off on all these numbers. I need to be double checking these right now because this is what happens when you do the podcast the next day. It was 15 minutes to 13 minutes. That's what it was. Um, it just felt like he wasn't out there. It just felt like he wasn't out there, um, it, which was really disappointing because everybody's really excited and you know he. He hits the, he makes the dunk. That's what it was to get sixteenth point with three and a half minutes left in the first half, and he's he's like flex into the crowd. He's hyping him up, and it's really the first time we've seen Keyshawn do that. You know, that's kind of been like Evan's role, and in some ways, like when it happens, you look at it, it's like there's there's like some energy from somebody other than Evan, like energy with the crowd, getting the crowd hyped up, which can sound like it doesn't really matter. But when you look at what's happened this season, 
it's basically just been Evan who's had that like skill or ability, whatever you want to call it. And to see somebody else kind of step up and have that sort of impact, it just felt like this was a Keyshawn game and what could be kind of a turning point for him because it is a really big game and you don't have Tad and you don't have Elijah and the, the team has lost at that point four of five and Keyshawn goes out and does that, and you're like, okay, finally somebody's kind of putting their their stamp on this starting point guard job, which, you know, he started every game but the last game at point guard, and he started the last game at shooting guard. So um, I, maybe we've been overhyping the competition. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. But, you know, to go from that to, you know, he didn't, he didn't take another shot until more than 15 minutes into the second half. So he's sitting there with 16 points and doesn't take a shot for 19 minutes of game time. Can you believe that? Like, and and I don't know why he's not shooting or, or what. I mean, the, the, the turnover was in there. Um, but, again, you, you have something that you're that's working for you. And you just stopped going to it. And and then he went cold the rest of the way. You know, 431 left in the game, misses a jumper. And then in that final, like, rest of the way, misses a three, misses a three, misses a three. And then that's how the night goes. And you just see it. And I remember the first one of those shots where it's like, he hasn't taken a shot in basically a year. Of course it's not going to go in. The, the, the rhythm is all gone. The momentum's totally gone. And, again, I... I don't think the problem last night was Mike Roan, um, who who filled in for Tad Boyle, who has COVID and had to watch from home. Um, but this is one of the things that you look at and say, like, if I'm the coach of that team, I'm getting I'm getting Keyshawn shots. Like, you have literally one thing that's working for you, and I guess you see the other side of it, which is you got to get somebody else going. Otherwise, you really need Keyshawn to do a lot. But when you only have one thing going. You better keep that one thing going. And and whether that was on Roan for not saying, guys, we, we got to feed Keyshawn. Or on him for not drawing up plays for Keyshawn. Or not telling Keyshawn, like, hey, keep it going, buddy. Like, you're, you're playing great. Let's let's build on that first half. Whatever. A little bit more of that would be nice. It could also be Keyshawn being passive. It could be other guys being selfish and wanting to get their own shots. Who knows? But... What we do know is that Keyshawn was the reason they were in that game until they weren't in that game. And that that just shouldn't happen. Um, yeah, uh, uh, finishes the night 6 of 11 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3. Like I said, like there's, there's three missed three-pointers when they're down by 15 points at the end of the game. Eh, whatever. Like this stat line is not quite as kind to Keyshawn as it should be at the same time though I guess it is on him for not getting more shots up early it is kind of on him potentially for for not making this a competitive game where he doesn't need to be chucking threes at the end um but still that that first half where he's six of seven doesn't turn the ball over 16 points I mean what sucks is we're at the point where I think we all agree that this is kind of a, a building season I think that a lot of us had had hoped that these young guys could kind of step in and the other young guys who'd already been around for a year, or in Keyshawn's case, two years, could could take that next step and all of a sudden you have a tournament team. 
we're skeptic, skeptical of it, but now we're at the point where it's like, yeah, it's over. And and but still, when you see this happen, it's just it's just brutal. And for Keyshawn, this was a big step in the right direction. Um, again, this first half was the best half of basketball I think he's played as a Buffalo. It's just kind of tough to get too excited about that when it's a 15-point loss and it's the first time Oregon has ever won in Boulder dating back to 1960. And on top of that, Keyshawn has struggled so much over the last couple of months that even this one half, like it's not like, oh, all that's gone. Keyshawn's good now. It's like, oh, okay, the, you saw the flash that you needed. Now just now just shoot 40% from the field. Like, be, be productive if you're a scorer. Be efficient if you're a scorer. Dish out some assists. Avoid the turnovers. And he he played a really good game, but he's got to string some of those together, and that's been the complaint is that he, he can get hot, but these hot streaks throughout like a weekend road trip or homestand or, you know, a, a three-week hot streak, it, it just hasn't been there for him. And we're kind of in wait-and-see mode. I do think that if, if we're keeping like a scoreboard – of the point guard position and saying like, oh, are we closing in on KJ potentially taking over the starting job? Keyshawn pulled away a bit here because he showed something that KJ, I mean, he did have, he did have that good half against Arizona that stands out. Um, he's done these things before, but last night, I mean, he's one of five from the field, three points, six turnovers. Keyshawn won the night and it wasn't all that close. Um, yeah, I mean, long-term, we've talked about this a little bit, but they, they are really crowded in two classes, right? So last year's class with Neek and Luke and all those guys, uh, Jabari, Tristan, of course, this this year's class with uh, KJ and uh, Julian, the guards, and then Javon also coming back next year, Quincy coming back next year. Um, Lawson, you have so so much talent, so so many scholarships really booked up in those two years that you're going to see attrition after the year. And and honestly, at this point, that's part of what I'm looking at on a game to game basis. Just like who who kind of put their stamp on being like a part of this rotation next year? Like who are you? Who would you be most worried about losing from this backcourt next year? And before I'd say. Like Keyshawn, you you obviously have some talents and some skills, but at the same time, the struggles are something that that make it probably a better option to to roll with KJ. Now though, after seeing that, it's like ah maybe you put KJ at the one, Keyshawn at the two. Maybe there's no room for Javon to come back. I don't know. Um, still probably too overreaction to to one game, but we'll see. We'll see. And I think the big takeaway is that there was there was this one half of basketball where it looked like Colorado was kind of back to what we'd hoped that it would be for the most part this season. Now, though, you you look at what happened and say they've lost five of their last six. Luckily, there's a game against Oregon State tomorrow night, a, th- a team with three wins so far, and... See if you can make it to that NIT, because getting to the NIT is uh, looking like it's going to be a challenge at this point, and then we can reevaluate once we're 
once we're through this season. Um, yeah, I think one of the things Keyshawn said after the game, though, was that it felt like the team quit at the end. And that's something that we saw people say on Twitter. Um, something that I, I I saw and Marissa was saying it that whole time, the final stretch. Keyshawn kind of confirmed that. And again, that's one of those things where if Tad Boyle's in the huddle and he's drawing up a play and saying, here's what we do. Here's how we, how we do this. Here's what we need. Here's, I think that... I think that I can put some stock in the idea that not having Tad made it tougher for them to keep fighting at the end um, just because we've seen them fight back at the end of games so many times this season. I've also been in one or two where they haven't fought back like that. Um, but we've seen the comebacks against you know UCLA and um, Oregon and, and others where you say, hey, this is, this is a team that usually doesn't give up like that. And because of that, losing Tad, your coach, who kind of is at the forefront of those things, uh, I, I'd say that. At the same time, though, like you still can't excuse it. Like if, if you're Keyshawn or Jabari or Evan or Tristan or any of those guys, like you you can't you can't play like that regardless of whether you have Tad or not. Um, but I do think that with such a young team, not having Tad there to be like, okay, let's stay the ship here, it it stings a little bit for sure. Um. Let's see. What else did I want to get to? I guess real quick, let's let's do this. Uh, Breckenridge Brewery. We love Breckenridge Brewery because of the beers that they give us. Um, the Strawberry Sky is my favorite. The Avalanche Amber Ale. Really, you can't go wrong with any of them. Good company, hard seltzers. Uh, seltzers are the best, in my opinion. Um, they support us, so we'd really appreciate it if you support them. They do great work. They're a local Colorado company. Um, they make great beer, so they've really grown and expanded. Huge part of sports scene here, so jump in with them, buy some beers, and 1% of their profits go to the National Parks Conservation Association, so you can feel even better when you're drinking a good beer. And DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, I'd mentioned earlier that I'm in on Jason Day to win this tournament. I'm in on Jason Day to win this tournament thanks to DraftKings. Um, we've talked about this maybe maybe on this podcast, probably around the Masters or something. The way that I bet on golf is, first of all, I don't do it very often. It's like I'll watch the majors typically and then like one or two tournaments throughout the year that kind of fit my schedule and are interesting or whatever. I take one golfer before the tournament then just add one more every day. You wind up with five. Then by the time you're like picking one like Sunday morning before everything goes down, hopefully you have somebody who's in contention and you can either get somebody who's the favorite to win and kind of hedge or you can get somebody else who's in there or whatever. It's, it's a little bit risky to do that because it's five guys in the field of 160, but your odds of hitting get a little bit better. Payouts get a little bit lower as you go along. It's real fun. Um, I'm in on Spieth now too. Jason Day, Jordan Spieth. I actually didn't take one yesterday, so I hit that up now. Um, I'll probably add one more tonight. Again, it just fits perfectly because if I I firmly believe that if you have nothing going on, or not even nothing going on, like if I'm just working from home and can just put something on the TV, there aren't a lot of things I really want to put on the TV. And so I was saying like, oh, four days in a row, let's just turn on golf gets me fired up. Um, one of the many, many, many different things you can do with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting a- uh, 
an official sports betting partner of the NFL. There we go. Um, they're also an official partner of Super Bowl 56, and because of that, they're giving you 56 to 1 odds if you're a new user on either team to win the Super Bowl. You just pick which team you think you're going to win, bet $5, you get 280 in free bets. Uh, if you're not a new user, there's all sorts of other cool stuff that you can do. There's boosts. There's uh, just like same-game parlays. A bunch of fun stuff that you can get in on with DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code DNVR, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Real quick, one more. want to tell you guys about Escape Artists. So Escape Artists is like a CBD product that you can get at Lightshade Dispensary. Um, it's uh, You can get different ratios, like 1 to 1, the 20 to 1. Um, just depends on what you're looking for. They have uh, the, the Escape Sorry, 800 to 800 creams are Escape Artist's highest potency creams available. Um, they penetrate deep for deep muscle tissue discomfort. They aren't greasy. Um, they don't create stains. They're fast absorbing. They take effect in 10 minutes or less. And the benefits can last up to two to three hours. Uh, you can get them in a couple of different scents. There's rose. There's cedar black pepper. Um, and it's really good stuff. And like I said, pick those up at Colorado's premier dispensary that's light shade with 10 and soon to be 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. Plus, if you listen to this podcast, you can get 25% off all non-sale items at light shade with the code DNVR. So go to lightshade.com and uh, order for pickup, use that code DNVR or just head into a store near you. Okay, uh, back into basketball. Jason Day got birdie, by the way, so I'm getting kind of fired up. Still like two days left. But, um, yeah, so there's all the point guard stuff. Um, the turnovers, I think, were kind of a part of the kind of changing trajectory of this game. You know, in the first half, Colorado did great not turning the ball over. Um, I, th I think they had... So they had seven turnovers in the first half, but they only had four in the first 17 minutes. And then those final three minutes, they turned the ball over three times, and that kind of was, was the turning point. Um, one, one of those last three was Evan. The other two were KJ. And then in the, the second half, the floodgates really opened up. Um, they, uh, they turned the ball over one minute in a minute and a half in, they turned the ball in two minutes after that. And a minute after that, and two minutes after that, there was one stretch where what they, they turned the ball over at 1433, 1218, 1145, 1106, 1058 and 1035. So that's, that's four minutes and that's one, two, three, four, five, six turnovers. You could even go seven turnovers in five minutes if you wanted. And that was the stretch where the game really ended. 
it felt like those last 10 minutes were just not competitive at all. Um, I, uh, I mean, it, it's, 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 a, it's a recurring problem, right? It's not like there's anything new here. I think that when we've seen Colorado play well, for the most part, it's been when they've been able to hold on to the ball and when they haven't played well, it's been the majority of this stretch when they just are handing the ball back to the other team half the times they go down the court. It can be pretty brutal to watch, and it was again last night. Um, just about everybody was turning the ball over. Um, like I said, KJ had six. Evan had five. Um, two each for Jabari Walker, Tristan DaSilva, Nick Clifford. Uh, one each for Julian Hammond and Keyshawn Bartholomew. It's tough. It's tough. And there's there's a lot of reasons for it. But I think the big one is just that they don't have a true point guard. You know, and I actually don't know that they don't have one. They they aren't using like a true point guard. You've got Keyshawn out there who I think should be playing the two. He's just a scorer. That's that's what he is. He can make some passes, but he is a two guard to me. And you just need somebody else who can consistently bring the ball up the court and, and get the offense into good situations. You know, if there's Nuggets fans listening, he reminds me a lot of like Will Barton, where you give him the ball, he can go get you a shot, but you don't necessarily want to run the offense through him, which is what you do with the starting point guard. I think that KJ can come a little bit closer, but because he's, I mean, honestly, just because he's young, like he's, he's a really, I think, kind of reckless player at, at points, but he's very full speed ahead. He'll dribble himself into traffic. He'll he'll do some some dumb things because he gets sped up. Those will fade with time. The question is how much they fade. And and the problem right now is that you don't have an uh, another option really. Um, you know, you flash back to when we thought Mason Faulkner was going to be with this team before he transferred to Louisville. Um, right right before the school year started. It's kind of exactly what's missing, right? You have just like a veteran senior point guard who can man the ship and, and then rotate in these other guys. I, I think that we would have seen a very big difference in this team this year, um, bigger than I anticipated when when it, when it he transferred. Um, I'll also say that I, I've been impressed when Julian Hammond's been out there. I know, I mean, he only played 17 minutes, and he was a minus 14 in the game. Just for reference, the the worst was Evan, who was a minus 18 in 33 minutes. Jabari was a minus 16 in 32 minutes. And they have Julian Hammond, who was a minus 14 in 17 minutes. Um, Again, might as well, just for context. Um, Keyshawn was only minus 2 in 28 minutes in a 15-point loss. Uh, Luke O'Brien was a was the best on the team as a net zero in 16 minutes. And so I, I think that we've seen this actually a few times where Julian Hammond, the, those numbers don't really work out for him. And it's not like he had his best night last night, um, but we've seen enough to say, I think that he can, he has potential to be that sort of steady hand at point guard. Um, I think that he fits the traditional point guard mold better than either of the other two, Keyshawn or KJ. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the best player, will be the best player, any of that. But I do think that if if 
we had junior year Julian Hammond, that could solve some of these turnover problems because you could let him kind of run the offense because he's he's really good at that. Um, still makes some mistakes here and there. The scoring can be pretty hit or miss. The defense isn't always there. Um, but for the most part, I think he can he can dish the ball to where it needs to go and he can kind of be that steady hand. He's just not polished yet. Um, and to be honest, I mean, those 17 minutes, that's honest. That's probably a pretty solid number. Um, but we've seen some of these games where it's dipped down closer to seven, eight minutes. I don't think it should be that way. I think that KJ and Keyshawn should be playing similar minutes. Well, that's like 25 or something. But you should be giving Julian Hammond at least double-digit minutes just because I think that he provides he provides something. And I think that letting him grow could be really valuable. Um, it's, it's tough, though. I mean, there's a... Uh, it's 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 a young team, and you know you, you remember that Javon Ruffin's going to be back next year in theory. Like, uh, not I don't know that he's going to transfer. Anybody else is going to transfer, but just with the numbers, it would make sense if somebody moved on. But with Julian Hammond there, or sorry, Javon Ruffin coming back, he could also be that guy. He might wind up being a better two guard than point guard. But I know that his dad wants him to be a point guard. Um, which is true of just about every guard, but his dad is like an NBA guy who is now, he's an assistant with the Phoenix Suns at the moment. Um, they put a little more stock in that, and I know that's kind of what Javon's working toward. And, you know, he could also kind of fit that role too. We just don't really know because he hasn't played this year. Um, so, I don't know. This team is struggling. This team is really struggling. And this game against Oregon State, honestly, should be just what they need to get back on track. Um, Oregon State's won three games all year. They got blown out by Utah yesterday. If you lose this one, I mean, we're kind of having like the the worst case scenario conversations already, right? Like it kind of feels like that's the the world that the Buffs are living in. Um, But... Maybe we could sink even lower with a loss to Oregon State. Who knows? Um, I do think that they should be able to get back on track and, and hopefully build a little bit of confidence. You've got one game next week, and it's against Utah. That should be a win, but, I mean, based on what we've seen, I guess that's probably a pretty competitive game. Um, a lot of time to practice next week. You'll have Tad back in the building next week. I Probably. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I think that does it for today. Um, honestly, went a little bit longer than I wanted to, but it is what it is, and we will uh, be back later tonight talking uh, more about these coaches who we talked to on Wednesday. Um, I'm excited about that, excited to be able to sit down and kind of go through that two-hour call again, and uh, we'll talk later. See you then.